0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Stick around to the end of today's episode to hear the trailer of Between the Lines, the Athletic's newest narrative podcast documenting the intersection of race and football. Coming to the Athletic Football Show feed on February 14th.
1: Hey, y'all, one quick note about this episode. It was recorded right before the announcement was made about Brian Schottenheimer being the offensive coordinator. We'll cover all that in the next episode. But don't worry, there's plenty of Cowboys to talk about in the meantime.
0: Enjoy. The arrogance of Bum Bright, Jerry Jones, and Jimmy Johnson to show up in Dallas before Landry's been told he's fired boggles the mind. It was the day after at Valley Ranch. New Cowboys owner Jerry Jones was on the phone, taking charge as he promised Real he good. would do. Among the items on his agenda were an interview with a New York radio station and a phone conversation with Coach Jimmy Johnson. While Jones was taking care of business, his family was getting the royal treatment, a guided tour of the football complex. Well,
2: we've uh, uh, worked real hard today, and uh, I guess it's what six o'clock, and uh, we'll be here till probably uh, three this morning tonight, and uh, we're basically uh, working on the details of uh, uh, the acquisition, and uh, uh, not spending any time back here footballing it now. I intend to know if have an understanding of the cleat. Complete situation. I intend to have an understanding of the player situation. I intend to have an understanding of jocks and socks.
0: Jones brings in a new era, a new philosophy, a new attitude. But will it rival the success of the old guard? The only thing else I got to say is how
2: about them, Cowboys? Yeah!
0: How about them, Cowboys? Indeed.
1: Should they stay or should they go? Cowboys Free Agency Edition and Jerry Jones talked at the Senior Bowl. We'll cover that today on this episode of About the Cowboys. Welcome in. I'm Kent, running things behind the scenes and joined by three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down the Dallas Cowboys. From the athletic, we've got Sod, because the stars are on All-Star break. We've got Sod. Also, we've got John, full-time on the Cowboys beat, and your host, from the speakeasy, Kevin K.T. Turner. Welcome in, Katie.
3: Hello, and um, wow, what a time to be alive here as we're kind of working our way through. Can't believe it's already Senior Bowl time, right? Senior Bowl, Super Bowl. <clears throat> it's uh, the real bowl season that matters to me, at least. Um, no offense, college football. I just never been a big fan of the Car Max, Carfax, Car Fox Bowl. I don't know. Um, so I know John's a big John loves all
1: the bowl games. So I'm, I'm a big fan of now. Cuppy, the, uh, mm-hmm. the fan, the mascot of the Reese's Senior Bowl. I don't know if you ever got, gone to the Senior the Bowl, KT. Yeah, but they do a full scouting report on him. like you know the first day where they bring all the guys out and like they're doing like their uh, I don't know weigh in or whatever. <laughs> they do it with Cuppy. They bring him out there. Like 6'4, 225 pounds. He's literally made of chocolate and peanut butter. Oh, uh, i <laughs> well, are so
3: confused. <laughs> uh it's probably a, I did think cuppy over rowdy any day, but that we'll save mascot <laughs> yes. power rankings for another episode. Um Good idea. Let's, uh, let's start with uh basically Jerry and Steven out there talking. Were you surprised, John, that Jerry and Steven were there and talking one week after a playoff loss?
4: Uh, no, they always are. Uh, they're out there usually for a couple of days. Um, when Jason Garrett was the head coach, usually Garrett was out there with several of the assistants. I mean, one year, their staff coached the the senior bowl, but uh, Mike McCarthy doesn't operate that way. So they're, Mike McCarthy doesn't go out there and, and the assistant coaches don't go out there. They leave that up onto the scouts. Um, But yeah, no, Jerry and Steven always talk. And, and no, listening to all of it. Obviously, Dak was a major piece in all of this. I mean, Stephen and Jerry are completely all sold that Dak is the guy, not just now, but well into the future. Stephen hit home on the ten more years of Dak. He thinks that there's going to be ten more years of Dak Prescott as the Cowboys' quarterback, so that would put him as their quarterback at forty. So, um, you know, and he mentioned that he thinks the way that Dak takes care of his body and things like that, uh, he thinks he'll be able to hold up that long. I think that most people listen to that and they're just like, well, there's going to have to be better results than we've seen uh, the last couple of years for that to continue going in that direction. But they've obviously, it doesn't make much sense for them to sit there and say we have questions at quarterback. You know, Their actions will speak louder. I mean, if, if they go and they, you can say that all you want, and then all of a sudden you draft a quarterback in the second round, well, then you're obviously looking for your future plan there. You wouldn't do that if you really thought Dak was your quarterback for the next 10 years. Now, you can draft a quarterback in like – You know, fourth, fifth, sixth round, sure, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. But they made it very clear that they're all, they're all set with with Dak. I think that was my biggest takeaway from it. Um, The other one was basically every player they were asked about, they want whether it's Odell Beckham, whether it's uh, uh, Tyron Smith, Ezekiel Elliott, Jason Peters, like they're trying to bring all these guys, and they, you know, think that they'll all be back. And that's the type of stuff you say this time of year. I will say the one thing I did read. Uh, that I I did not hear on the video is that it sounds like they're moving on from Brett Maher. So I just want to be specific. There was one name uh, of a a player mentioned that they were able, that it seems like they're ready to move on from. Um, But uh, I would say that was the big, those biggest things there. And then also that, you know, Jerry acknowledged that, they could have handled the wide receiver position better. He did, said he didn't have any regrets on the Mari Cooper letting him go because he likes what they did with the $20 million, instead of paying him what they did with it in their other roster moves. But, uh, yeah, he noted that they were expecting more out of Gallup and, and, and to get something out of Tolbert. That never happened. So um, the thing that makes you a little nervous, though, is that when you hear Jerry and Steven talk about that, it, they talk about how they expect more out of those guys next year. And, okay, you can do that. But I think you also – Wide receiver has to be pretty high on your list of priorities.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Saad, do you want to weigh in on that?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like John said, I think, the, first of all, the fact that they want everyone back, I think that's kind of par for the course for this time of year. I don't think that it's actually going to happen. But, um, but I think for them to admit on the wide receiver thing was kind of a significant thing because... Um, I don't think that front offices and especially that one really do that too often. So um, I, I think that was encouraging and at least they know where the needs are to address. Um, now it's just about how they're going to go about doing that, whether that be the draft or as we talked about in the last pod, just, you know, trades and free agency and stuff.
4: And then the other thing though, too, I, unless you wanted to comment on that, there was one other thing. Um, I tweeted out a couple of the longer quotes from Jerry about one, one, the comparison to how they run the organization to how the Eagles and Rams have done things that, and, and being so aggressive yeah. in the off season. So if, I don't know if you want to go to that, Kent, we do, we do have that.
1: Um Let's start with, uh let's start with the wide receiver thing, since you guys were just, just touching on it. So here's what Jerry had to say about Did that. Did y'all
2: make a mistake in how you handle a receiver position this year? Uh, you, uh, you could say that uh, we probably uh, had too much reliance on what Tobert could do because we were high on him coming out and thought he could immediately have, be a factor. Uh, we had uh, uh, thought that uh, possibly we could uh, uh, have uh, better results uh, uh, relative to uh, Gallup uh, as far as his rehab and right. where he is. Uh, so I could say that. Uh, the other parts of it the the uh, elephant in the room that you're talking about uh, was uh, uh, when i look at the uh, salary that was involved there over 20 million dollars a year mm-hmm. and i look at what we got with that salary to help this team mm-hmm. that we wouldn't have been able to have on this team had we kept it okay. i like what we did okay. but you, but it, but that's a position though as you look forward you, we need, need we need tobert to come on as a young player to come on and we need to, uh, keep looking. Uh, we need, uh, lamb did everything and more that we hoped he would do. Uh, we need some guys when they're, uh, when they're really covering him, we need some guys that uh, have a better chance to get open. Uh, and we probably, um, uh, can do some things in the passing game that help, uh, uh Gallup get more involved. But, uh, uh, no, I'm not, because I can't talk of it in isolation about what you did at Receiver. Mm-hmm. Receiver freed $20 million that we used really effectively to have the team we had. Do you, do you go back at Odell Beckham as a free, in free agency this year? Again, uh, I've gotten to uh, uh, know him well, and uh, uh, we'll be talking.
4: Um, I will say, I don't know, is there anything else you guys want to add on that one?
1: The Amari thing just keeps popping up. Just,
3: yeah, the Amari thing. Yeah, that'll pop up until right, <laughs> you win again, right? <laughs> um, but like yeah. the uh the, like it's it'll just go on the list of things that didn't go wrong. They're not wrong in thinking well they're not wrong in drafting Jalen Tolbert. And like, okay, we evaluated a guy, we liked him, we drafted him. It's like It is wild because that's where it gets kind of a weird line of like Jalen Tolbert, for whatever reason, just didn't do things in early on though. Like in camp, we're like, yeah, we're not seeing much out of him. He's not getting on the
1: field much. He never came on. It's not like (laughs) like, midway through the season, they're like, this guy's, he's just been lighting it up in practice. He's ready to go. It never, John, I don't know if you could speak to that more, but it never, there's never rumblings like Jalen Tolbert's about to be ready.
4: Uh, There was no point in training camp or any practices or anything I would heard about Jalen Tolbert. I I keep going back to – I feel the same way about that as I felt about them in those moments when they were trying to put Calvin Joseph in as a starting corner. Uh, I I saw plenty of it where I'm like, I don't think he's ready for that role. I I don't know if he'll progress to that, but you just – you didn't see a guy that made any plays to make you think, okay, hold on, this might be something – Whereas, like even with like a Dennis Houston, you did see some of that in, in training camp. You know, you'll see like a Nishan Wright have some flash plays, things like that. Uh, Israel Mukwamu. Uh, I know I'm jumping around different positions, but just using it as an example, there'll be stuff that'll happen sure. at camp where you're watching all these practices. You're like, oh yeah, I can see something. Here. And there never really was that moment with Jalen Tolbert.
3: And, and I guess what I'm what I, my point was like the the big issue. It's less that your rookie didn't play though. To me, it's that you gave Michael Gallup post ACL a Chris Godwin contract. Like there's, (laughs) that's the problem. Like, and who you didn't know that he wasn't going to come back fully loaded and ready to go, but you did know that he was compromised and you still gave him that deal. And I think there's, I think Michael Gallup, I don't know who knows what his agent was saying. Right. But it felt like it felt like from the beginning we were like, Oh wow. That feels like a bit of an overpay. Just given everything that was going on with him and the ACL and stuff. So I mean their contract oh, situations don't now. look
4: great for most people. I mean, does the Dak contract look great right now? Has he lived up to forty million per year? You know, I, I think I just cause that's where the next contract is in line with, I think he has, but there you can be very critical of that. Zeke's contract. Um, you just mentioned Michael Gallup, uh You know, will I be surprised if they give Trayvon Diggs a big number in five, six years? We're talking about like, man, I don't know if they should have did that. Um, You know, and that kind of comes with it, though, you know, that do you really get that same player after they get that big payday. You know, uh, it it happens. You know, I mean, you'd love for every offensive lineman to sign that deal that, that Tyron Smith did. You know, you'd love for every quarterback. A uh, franchise quarterback to to get a deal that's somewhere on that level of that Patrick Mahomes where it's over ten years. and you can maneuver, even though I'm sure that they'll rework that at some point and give him more money because they'll have to uh, as if he wins more Super Bowls. But um, I don't know. i th- i would I would think that more more than more often than not when you give a guy a contract, they probably don't end up uh, <laughs> playing better ball after that. Let's
1: put it that way, yeah not the thing sure. about six six out two about Jalen Tolbert is. They drafted him, projecting him to play and contribute this season. Absolutely, it's a little, it's a little nerve wracking that you have got the same people trying to go out and make that same pick again.
4: Well, I would that say if same you go of their History. If you go off their history, though, that was a reasonable that was a reasonable thought. I mean, you know, they yep. did that with Terrence Williams, third round pick. He came in rookie year. Gallup. He he gave them he gave them that type of production. Gallup was a second round pick came in, gave them, gave them that type of production right away. I don't think they were expecting Jalen Tolbert to be uh, 800 yards and, and five touchdowns, but we'll go to Noah Brown's stat line. He should have been capable of doing that. Right. I think it's around 500 yards, three or four touchdowns. I think that, that, that should have been expected. I think that's what they – now, maybe small school guy, maybe there's a little bit more of a learning curve there. Who knows? Um, I do trust this team – Drafting, for the most part, I mean, I don't think that there's a ton of teams that are that you would look at in the across the league and say, oh yeah, they draft way better than the Cowboys. There's some, but there aren't very many. Uh, the Cowboys are one of the better drafting teams in the league. So, I just the Gallup thing is, is and especially because of the fact that you were you're were moving on from Mari Cooper, which I, hey, I get it, you want to do that. At the time, I didn't like it. I thought that they would address the position more than that. I will say one thing that I I find interesting about the Mari Cooper thing is that. I have I've been pretty open about this, that I am completely fine with them trading 26 to do another Amari Cooper deal with another wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think it's funny when you mention that to, to some people, they will sit there and say, like, the Amari Cooper thing didn't work out. I think you can make the argument that it did, to be honest with you. like I think it did, yeah. <laughs> for what you gave up and what you got in return, yes, did they win a Super Bowl? No. But if you wouldn't have done that move, and let's say you would have just, I don't know how else they would have addressed wide receiver. I don't think you would have gotten a player as good as they as they got in Amari Cooper and then also the $20 million a year going rate. So I don't really hate any of that. You can be critical of some of the stuff he did in big games. There were definitely some times where he didn't show up in, in, some, in some big moments, and maybe that's not just him. Maybe <laughs> it's the offense. Maybe it's the quarterback. There's plenty of things in there. Um, my, my, I think the biggest thing looking back is that they needed to do a better job addressing that position when they decided to move on from Amari Cooper. And when I say that, I'm not even. I'm not even talking about fifth round pit getting Matt Willetsko in return. That's a totally separate topic. I'm talking about how you address the pit position if you're not going to be with this guy, and uh, clearly they expected more out of Gallup and Tolbert.
3: Yeah. Oh, in context. Context uh, matters to all of this. They, when they got Amari Cooper, were coming off a year where they had said Allen Hearns is their number one wide receiver. So I mean, anyone who's got a problem with Amari Cooper. Enjoy your Alan Hearns and Cole Beasley wide receiver tandem. I, I, it's insane to me if you don't think Amari Cooper was really good for you. He was. Uh, and it was, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Uh, can you any, any other audio that jumps out at you you want to fire off here? Well,
4: I want to mention one other thing that we probably should have said right off the rip. I think one of the better audio clips, if you have it, is, is do you have anything from basically Jerry or Steven talking about Mike McCarthy calling plays? Because that is probably, I, 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 I should I should have mentioned that off the top. I mean, not that they're going to give you any, you know, break it down to precisely the the, the differences we're going to be able to see in the offense, because I don't think they know it at all. But it was a major topic, you know, going into these the senior bowl, obviously, is that, hey, Mike McCarthy's calling plays. Why is this the move? What are the expectations?
1: So this is uh, him discussing Kellen Moore, and he gets into that.
2: Well, of course, we're so appreciative of uh, Kellen. Uh when I think of football and I think of his life and what a player he was and then uh, evolved into uh, a player for us and then coaching. And so, uh, uh, uh that's kind of gives you the feeling of, uh, well, life moves on. Uh, when you look at it, uh, he's uh, done outstanding. When, uh, Mike came in, uh, I was pleasantly, uh, pleased when Mike said, well, I, One thing I want to ask to do is keep Kellen Moore. Uh, I didn't ask him to keep Kellen Moore. He wanted to keep Kellen Moore. And that's worked beautifully. We all know the synergies there between him and Dak. And uh, uh, I think it has worked and uh, worked well. Uh, This is an opportunity, though, uh, for Mike and us to use other skill sets that we have, other Uh, really assets we have in Mike's background, his experience uh, running offensive, calling plays. Uh, It's the kind of thing that uh, had I worked this out with Mike coming in, I wouldn't have been as as assured as I feel now because he knows our personnel even more so. Uh, He knows uh, uh, kind of what they've been doing and he can meld that into his Uh, any nuances of his uh, offensive system that he wants to. I love what's happening. So you're more comfortable with Mike calling the plays? Well, I'm more comfortable not – I'm comfortable at this time because of how it's evolved. I'm more comfortable than I would have been had he started calling the plays right when he came in as head coach. I've always viewed him, rather than as a walk-around coach, I viewed him as a coach that could coach the offensive side of the ball.
4: And I, and I think that a lot of that makes sense. I know it's it's Jerry, so people will say it's word selling that. So let me just try and clean it up to, to basically explain it like this. When Jason Garrett's contract was not renewed and they hired Mike McCarthy, I do think it would have been a bad move to just have him call plays and try and implement his West Coast style that was in Green Bay and all of a sudden change everything up for Dak. I do think that that would have been a bad move. Now- you could make the argument that 2020 was such a dumpster fire with COVID and the way the season went that, that, hey, why not just go with it? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, let's just try and implement it. We're going to have to have a year that's basically like a redshirt year, which it ended up being mm-hmm. anyway, obviously with Mike the Nolan. Band-aid off. Yeah. Right. But because I want to add in here so Kellen Moore talked to the Chargers media for about 20, 25 minutes. And so I listened to that because I wanted to hear if there was anything about the Cowboys and the way they parted ways. And so this kind of st- stood out to me is that um, he said that Sunday was an action-packed day, which was the day that they ultimately decided that's when the news came out. It was during the basically the AFC Championship game. He said, had some discussions from a Dallas perspective Friday and Saturday. Sunday, we got to the conclusion that it was going to be a great opportunity for both sides to explore and maybe go down different paths. And it was going to be good for both sides. I mean, really, hard, you know, hammering home. So obviously there was disconnect between what Kellen wanted to do and what Mike wanted to do. You know, they they tried to meld it together, but obviously they were trying to go to take it to the next step. Probably some, someone had to step in and either we're going all in with my system or or you're going in with yours. And he said, so once that became an opportunity, I was able to He called, talk to Chargers coach Brandon Staley rather quickly and then go go through the whole process there. But then in a later answer, he said, I had a ton of fun the last few years being able to build this thing together and build an offense, build a system that kind of merged two worlds together. And and then he went on to say, I think we had a ton of success. Ultimately, we didn't get the top prize, but uh, we were able to achieve some things and do some special things there. But I just think that now, and KT, you can speak to this, obviously watching the Packers more than anybody else uh, here, that I think you're going to see them take some stuff that they did previously, but I think that you're going to just see more of the West coast type of stuff that Mike probably feels that Dex he probably feels more comfortable in Dax, CD, etc that they can, that they can run this better now than maybe they could have when he first took over in 2020.
3: Yeah. Question. The two worlds, was Kellen talking about his world and Mike's world or was he yeah. talking about the previous world in his world?
4: I think that you the would hear
3: world in his world. Or the I would Linehan think that in his world,
4: I think that Kellen Moore and the Scott Linehan thing where like they're, I think he's talking about them together, kind of what he learned from okay. from Scott, what he learned from being a quarterback, then a quarterback coach, and then ultimately the OC, which you're really taking, you know, what would be the bones of the Garrett, the Eric the Coriel offense, merging that into some of the stuff that Kellen obviously liked at Boise State and things that he's come up on his own that, hey, when I get this opportunity, I'd like to run this stuff. So it's, I don't think anybody was ever running just this one system. I think there was a lot of kind of we're going to use some of this stuff. We're going to use some of that. And so ultimately, I can see where that leads to some confusion. Well, now with Mike taking over play calling, this is his gig. He's the head coach. He's offensive player call. He he has, this is an experienced group here. I mean, CD is not a young receiver anymore now. He, he's not. I know typically he is. He's on a rookie contract. But the experience he has, how he's been used as a number one receiver, Dak's certainly going into year eight. This offensive line, like if you're going to do this stuff, it, it makes sense to do it now. And yeah, there'll be some hiccups along the road. I don't expect them to have one of the top, you know, three, four five offenses. I think they will be a top 10 offense, but yeah, there'll be some growing pains with it. But ultimately they feel like this gives them the best chance to, once they get to, you know, January uh, that they'll be playing better ball offensively than we've seen them play in January, the last two years.
3: Okay. You said, you, you said you've got some more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We have some more, more on this. Here's, Jerry, talking about the new offense. Uh,
2: It will be, I'm sure, with added nuances of the times, but more importantly, the personnel. But it will uh, be, uh, 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 in principle, uh, the way he operated in Green Bay, which I'm sure he'll tell you evolved. Right, and West so East. this will have evolved. It'll see, you'll see some Kellen in this, You'll see some Lenahan. I'm sure. But you're going to see a lot of, of uh, other things that uh, we haven't seen. Uh, that was appropriate when Mike first came in. This is really appropriate now. Uh, Dak can handle it. And a lot of times the changes are not what you're adding. It's what you're cutting back on. Right. And all of this is a part of uh, uh, what I'm excited about in having uh, uh, Mike take over the offense. Now, it's going to mean less times that he can go out and uh, look at a football player mm-hmm. or less times that he's back there in the draft room. Because right. as we all know, that offensive coordinator is the busiest guy in town. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's what we want, and that's what uh, Mike wants and uh, is excited. He's expressed himself excited about this you, opportunity. you
0: expect you, you, to hire an offensive coordinator? You just said he's kind of the offensive coordinator. You well, you know,
2: know? no, we will. he will have uh, assists if we add any uh, one, uh, and we probably will, but they will assist him in play calling and designing the offense. You want a young guy at that at that role? Because I know you like to develop coaches sometimes. Someone about my age. <laughs> yeah. One should. that one that's uh, open to new ideas, <laughs> but got a few of his own.
5: Yeah, I think, okay. you know, when you... <laughs> yeah, a good little Jerry joke to end there. But I think when you when you kind of you know, two things that stood out from that is one, him saying that you know it, it's more, it's some of it is what you cut back on as well. So obviously, they wanted to do some things differently, as you guys just mentioned as well, where Kellen and Mike kind of talk, we're either going all in on this or all in on this. Clearly, they want to cut back on some things from how the things have been going in in the last couple of years, and I don't think there's a problem with that. But um, but then when you talk about Mike McCarthy, and this is what I'm curious about. Um, you know when you when, when we look at what he was like in green bay and and KT as you know very well what he was like then there was the period the year that he spent in the barn and is there is there going to be barn stuff that kind of comes out like you know is this going to be the green bay offense or is it going to be differently because i don't know that you can run the green bay offense when you don't have aaron rodgers as your quarterback like i i don't think you can just straight up bring one system to the next and you have such a very different personnel, especially at the, at the key position that makes it all go.
4: Well, with him being an offensive coach, like he has been for a long period of time, I mean, obviously the Packers tenure is what he's most remembered for, but he was an offensive coach way before that too. So if he, he hasn't found... Whatever the best strengths are for Dak Prescott over the last three years, well, that's alarming. I mean, he, should, he shouldn't he should be thinking that I'm going to turn him into Aaron Rodgers. The other part of that, though, I will say is when you talk about, like, cutting back on the offense, I don't know that I looked at their offense and was like, oh, the volume, <laughs> just so much. Yeah, no,
3: I agree. So let's say about Green Bay, the, the running joke was curl routes, right? That was the joke on the internet, right? Because of a couple of big plays, and it's like, okay, well, you on these big plays with like a bunch, bunch of people run to the sticks. It happens sometimes, uh, especially when your team loses in weird fashions. <laughs> sometimes. Y'all ain't seen crow routes yet, guys. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, buckle up. Uh, I think the joke online is the slant flat. A lot of that, but hey, a lot of teams run that. What's interesting about McCarthy is he will have – a full off season here to really figure out what he wants that offense to be. And I'm sure he's thinking about it already. Whatever problems he had with Kellen, well, he's can implement his own thing. I hope his own thing is different than what it was six years ago, but that was a bad dysfunctional time when clearly he and his quarterback weren't getting along very well. Um, It's pretty clear if you watch those games, they weren't getting along very well. The guys calling plays has led them to, what, three championship games? One Super Bowl? Um, I think that's all there. I think that's all contextualized, and having Aaron Rodgers helps. This will be interesting to see how Dak and McCarthy take to each other. I mean, we've talked about Dak working with his coaches. Is fixing a guy getting, like, did that take getting rid of something that was kind of safe for Dak? I mean, Kellen's been around Dak's whole career pretty much. Whether as a player or into coaching, is. The other thing is that's a tough sell to Cowboys fans is the the idea that Dak might not actually be broken, he could just be better. <laughs> like I'm kind of sitting there. I think like Russell Wilson's broken. <laughs> I think Kyler's broken. I don't know that I think Dak is broken. I think Dak just had a weird year.
4: Um, but I would sp- I would say going off of the last couple of years. Um, I I wouldn't say broken. My issue would be the inconsistency. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, I, I don't think you can be broken and play the game he did against Tampa Bay. But then I see the game against Washington and then the game against San Francisco, and you're just like, whoa, this is, uh, that's as bad as bad gets for year seven yeah. franchise quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I would certainly, so to your point, Katie, I would not put him in that Russell Wilson category where you're just like, whoa, uh, the, you, this might be a, a huge mistake, you know, like, it, you know, you might have to try and board mission as soon as possible.
3: If if uh, Sean Payton fixes Russell Wilson, I mean, the Broncos sure don't look like a 10-win team to me.
1: We spent $90 million to try to fix him. If Sean or Payton Sean fixes Payton. Russell Wilson... Like, the, the only reason they're, they got theory. Sean Payton is to try to fix Russell Wilson, right? What yeah, if he I mean, does?
4: If you're going to pay yeah, a head it's coach... Amazing I mean, paying a head coach, Tony Romo, commentator money. I mean, that's that's a serious investment.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, but to KT, to your point on that though, I do think that if if all of a sudden Russell Wilson has just a fantastic year, um, which by the way, Sean Payton has a very large hill to climb, just given what that division looks like and the quarterback that is the two quarterbacks that are in that division, anyways. But if he does. I think there will be some, you know, looking back of like, you know, was Sean Payton worth it and should Jerry have made a move? But um, but I think it's, it, you know, I, I don't think Dak is broken either. I think, I think to be broken, you have to have more than one issue that is just re- glaring. And right now, Dak's issue is the interceptions. Hell, that was Brett Favre's issue for half of his career. But he was never, quote unquote, broken. He just needed to be reeled back in, whatever, whatever. And I think that's kind of where I see Dak Prescott as well, where I think there's some things that he needs to fix, but I don't think he's broken.
4: You know one of my favorite thing is 'cause with you guys mentioned Sean Payton, I've noticed this a little bit that how Sean Payton gets like a lot of credit for Drew Brees' success, where Mike McCarthy is just like, Well, you are just the wagon on the McCart on the Aaron Rodgers train. I just think I find that funny because Yeah. One, they won a Super Bowl together, um, and two, they haven't – it's not like Aaron sat there and, like, as soon as McCarthy was gone, like, has gone farther. You could make the argument that Aaron Rodgers' best ball was played with Mike McCarthy. I don't know. I just – it's funny to me that the way that people look at that thing. Like, oh, no, no, Breeze was just kind of a project, and he kind of fixed him. Did he? Or does, doesn't does Drew Breeze get a lot – I just don't – I don't buy in the, uh, a quarterback that gets to a Hall of Fame level – I'm sorry, I just think a lot of it is on them. You, it, as I say this, in here all the time, it's about the players. Like, I'm sorry, like the Sean Payton, Drew Brees is not just some Sean Payton creation. I'm sorry. Is no, he's not. Is, he, go ahead, he, he's
5: not, but he's not. But I will say, I think just because of Aaron Rodgers, I, I think there's two things. One, I think it's pretty universally thought of that Aaron Rodgers is just a better quarterback than Drew Brees. Yeah. Secondly, I think when when you look at the weapons, I think that has a lot to do with it. Because a lot of times Sean Payton, it's not just about Drew Brees, it's about you know, when you had Marcus Colston and Jimmy Graham and all these other guys kind of going, where I think Aaron Rodgers, for you know, all the talk, especially come the draft time, is always about, like, well, they never helped him out. They never help him out. So I think there's this perception that Aaron Rodgers is just doing it all by himself, whereas Drew Brees had this entire system of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara and Sean Payton and Colston and Jimmy Graham and guys and guys and guys. And I think that leads into... The fact that this was the Sean Payton thing, whereas McCarthy is just seen as it was Aaron Rodgers and no one else. And that was basically, and I think for better or worse, I think that feeds into that thing.
3: I do think like the appearance of McCarthy and the appearance of like really just how short Drew Brees is might simply play into that mass narrative. And Drew Brees. And Drew that
5: way. But Andrew Brees was was rejected by the Dolphins as well. So I think, you know, when, I think when you kind of when you look back at that a little I'm bit, I'm pretty sure go, all
4: that stuff was uh, that's all medical. That was all medical. It was right, all right, medical. Right. Yeah. All, yeah. Everybody wanted Definitely. he was a big dolphins, time. Doctors nobody was. Him, yeah. no, everyone was nervous about that, th- about the medical side of it. Believe me, it wasn't like he he didn't put up numbers when he was with the Chargers. Like everybody right, right. was like, hey, if the medical check out, oh, we'd love to have this guy. I'm sorry. He's not a champagne creation. By the way, if you want to talk about winning with like really questionable weapons. I understand that Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey, but you look at that rest of that duct taped crew that he has there. You just go look at that box score from that from that Bengals game.
1: I'm just like, whoa, dude! Like
4: this and it is... might
3: get him beat in the Super Bowl. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're I counting mean, on Scantling if you can take it
1: MVS and Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco, yeah. I mean, it's Jarek McKinnon. Yeah.
3: Okay. Um, any more audio before we talk uh, about upcoming free agents,
1: Kent? A couple more here. John mentioned it. This is Jerry on his mentality on going all in.
2: Anybody that thinks I won't take a chance has misread the tea leaves. Okay. But I do think longer term, and I'm real hesitant to bet it all for a year. And uh, there's a lot of things that can happen for that year. In essence, we're seeing a couple of teams that have had some real success Putting it all out there, and uh, paying it, paying for it later, in Philadelphia and and uh, really uh, Los Angeles. Uh, Don't think that doesn't pop my head and get my eye as far as doing it, and I know how to do that. And uh, so uh, uh, it's, uh, it's again, it's a part of uh, uh, what you uh, put in that computer and what comes out, and we'll see, we'll see how uh, it comes. But uh, that's pretty impressive to have two teams in the last two years, empty the bucket and get to the Super Bowl. But you're drafting development. But if you miss, you miss, it is a a long go. On the other hand, uh, uh, my general experience has been that if you will uh, uh, stay aggressive, I'm talking about whether it's on the field or off the field, if you'll stay aggressive but then pick your shots with risk-taking, And I've spent a lot of time in my life doing that. When they cut me open, it will be all those scars, heart attacks for all the (laughs) risks I took and the years I spent paying for. Mm -hmm. And so my point is that uh, I do know how to take risks. They're absolutely right. We have been uh, in the middle here for a few years. I like where we are right now, more in the middle. Uh, But uh, given an opportunity, if it makes some sense, uh, I've definitely got risk-taking in me. All you got to do is look around at everything else that we've got our fingers in. And you see, I, I will take some risk.
4: Well, no, I get it that I'll take some risk. My my thing here is that I don't think Cowboys fans even – I'm sure plenty do, but I'm saying the majority don't even want them to do full-out Rams, you know, Philly-type things with the, with the series of moves that they make. How about one? And And I make that argument because if you make one or two bold moves like – the Russell Wilson thing's one, you know, that's a, that's a quarterback. That's a significant salary. But if you swing and miss on like a wide receiver or a D tackle or something like that, that's not setting you back for five years or something like that. Like something crazy, like, yeah, it's going to suck and you'll have to lean more on the draft and in, in, in future years and playing more young guys. And yeah, maybe the team takes a, a step back and maybe they missed the playoffs a year or, or two because of that. Show me a fan that wouldn't sign up for that. Just taking that shot of that, hey, this also could be the move that puts us over the top. Instead of the, like, I just think that Jerry's way happier with 12 wins, two years in a row, as opposed to like where fans are like, yeah, if you tell me that we're going to have to be seven and nine for a couple of years, three, four years from now, but we go and, and make some aggressive moves right now, I'll live with that.
5: Yeah, and I think Amari Cooper is a good example of that. Say they completely whiff on that. Say he's just an absolute failure. I mean what does that set you back on right now like what like what's the comparative difference of you parting with a first round pick and Amari Cooper does absolutely nothing then you're still in the same position that you are in right now like you're you're not really missing a whole like you said it's not Russell Wilson it's not these gigantic moves and uh and it's it's just one so i think you're absolutely right i think you know you want to you want to do those and by the way philly I I also have like I understand the parallel and there is parallel with Philly and the Rams. But Philly has two first round picks this year and they went in all in. So a little a little different too. No, um, but but I
4: but I and I get that and I, and I and I've seen plenty of people on Twitter make that argument and that's fine, but the moves also speak for themselves. They're night and day from the type of of the way that the Cowboys have operated. Night and yeah. day. The, the the Bradbury, the A.J. Brown. I mean, heck, even the A.J. Brown. You know what? You can compare A.J. Brown to uh, Amari Cooper. That's fine. So, so we'll go apples to apples on that. That's something you can compare to the Cowboys have done. But the way they went and got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and and James Bradbury. Uh, heck, the way when they signed Javon Kinlaw in free agency.
1: Hassan Redick. Uh, Hassan
4: Redick. Like, these are just yeah. not moves that the Cowboys are making. And that's what I'm saying. If you make a couple of those, I, I don't know that you're going to be paying for it for just years and years and years.
3: No, I 100% agree with that. And it's, I just felt like Jerry's just trying to even the playing field a little bit for some reason. I don't know, maybe that sticks with them a little more losing to teams like the 49ers who go right. back, you know, 30 years. I think there's something there too.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... mm,
1: Uh, Kent, we have have one one more? Yep. One more here. Jerry's message to Cowboys Nation, who say, Jerry, you haven't done crap in 30 years.
2: Dwell on the fact that we have won 24, 25 football games over the last two seasons. Dwell on the fact uh, that we've been one of the leading winning teams. Dwell on the fact that we've had some of the best personnel in the National Football League. Dwell on the fact that you have Dak. I like that, dwell on the fact that you have Dak. Seriously, focus on that. Focus on a Dak being better, he's right. He will be better at turnovers. Uh, focus on that and focus on a coach that's come in here and in three years and what we're trying to do has had the results that we've had. Uh, it's, a, it's It's. A, I understand why. When you look back and say, well, San Francisco and Cowboys haven't been to a Super Bowl in 25 years, okay? And had not won a Super Bowl in 25 years. Mm -hmm. I understand that. San Francisco's in the same boat. Well. Uh, But my point is that has not been (laughs) the same for 25 years. There's been many different things done over 25 years the same way there would have been had you changed out general managers or the same way that you do if you changed out owners. Uh, I have to change in the in my mirror, I emphasize that, and yeah. uh, because uh, that's what I'm saying to our fans. Oh. Uh, uh, I like uh, uh, I like the incentive that I uh, and uh, we have uh, to win. Uh, uh, we push a lot out there. It's it's contrary to some things. It is critical that we win, and we work to win, and we've won a lot of football games. And, uh, but it's important to win a Super Bowl. I get to go back and I can look and see how close we've been on about four or five different occasions over the last several years to have actually stepped out there and been on the field. I see how close it is that we're not out there this weekend. It's close. And so uh, uh, we've got the, uh, we've got to our fans, we've got the substance, uh, we've got the players. We're going to add more players. Uh, we've got the coaches. Uh, we're in for a, a, a great run of a combination of that for next year.
4: When yeah. I when I listen to that, some of the things I think of is, one, it sounds like the same thing that we hear this time of year in Mobile, especially when he starts talking about, you know, i got to look in the mirror and all that stuff like that. It's, it's one of those things that I think of as like the Cowboys will win the Super Bowl in like three or four years, and Jerry will be like after the game, like all this, I told you so, I told you so. It's like, yeah, it's thirty years like, yeah, law of averages said that this would eventually happen. Like, I don't I know that we're gonna mirror. we should sit here and say that this was absolutely the right plan because like you look at the forty ers and for them to say that they're in the same boat, obviously we we listen to that and laugh because they're not. Uh, the 49ers have gone to multiple Super Bowls, they've been into multiple NFC championships games um, you know, since that last Super Bowl that they won with Steve Young. I I, I just don't think that any Cowboys fan looks at that and goes, Yeah, no, us and the Niners, the exact same thing. On the flip side, though, I can also sit there and say that I, I'm sure there's plenty of Cowboys fans that heard that or read that quote and think, "Oh, we're not close." Well, I would disagree with that. I, I don't, I don't look at their roster and then look at these other. Ro- I mean, I mean, again, I mean, I understand Patrick Mahomes way better than Dak Prescott. Obviously, you would rather have him, but again, like that Chiefs offense is in the Super Bowl, and there's just not a lot of playmakers there for him. So. I look at that and then the fact that I look at like a Cincinnati who, again, yes, they have a better franchise quarterback I get that, but the rest of the pieces, like you're just like, I, I, don't, I don't look at that and go, oh my, how would the Cowboys ever get to that? And then I look at the Niners and I mean, I thought it was pretty close. I really think if Dak doesn't turn the ball over twice and he just has an okay game, I think the Cowboys win that game. And then you have the Eagles. I don't think the Cowboys would have beaten the Eagles at Philly and without Tony Pollard, but I also wouldn't have been stunned if they did. You know, I mean, I've seen yeah. them play the Eagles plenty of times. Like, it also wouldn't have been some, like, stunning thing if they pulled it off. Like, it was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they beat the Eagles. Like, so, I don't know. I, I, obviously, you would love to have Joe Burrow. You'd love to have Patrick Mahomes. But there's only a couple of those guys in the league. But if you look at the rest of the roster, like, the Cowboys roster is not that far off from any of these teams that are, that any of the teams that played in the AFC or NFC Championship games.
5: No, they're not. But I will also say one thing on Jerry's comment on that beauty. What's that saying? Like beauty is in the eye of the the beholder, or whatever. I mean, you want to look at the fact that San Francisco hasn't won a Super Bowl in 25 years. Like you're just the the flip side could be you're in the same. You're the same as the Lions and the Washington Football Team or Washington Commanders, whatever. Right? Like they're the only three teams in the NFC that haven't been to a championship game in the last however many years. So. It's all about how you want to look at it. Jerry's the eternal optimist. He's looking at it like we just lost to the 49ers by one touchdown, but and, and so we're that close. Well, you're also in the same grouping as the Lions and the Commanders. So And
4: then and, and that one comment where he and because he's done this before, and, and let me know if you guys read this differently. But I try and th- when he talks sometimes, I try and think of it from a fan's perspective, like when a fan hears this. And when he was saying that stuff about how I've shown that I I can take risks. And when they cut me open, I have all these scars from all these heart attacks and stuff like that. Like when I think of that, I think of him talking a lot about also in his business life. And I also think if I'm a Cowboys fan, I, don't care about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah. So obviously people know his story or you should that, yeah, he's taking a lot of risks to have success and oil and drilling and all that stuff like that. But at the end of the day, or, or, and heck, maybe, maybe he's talking about even in his early tenure in the nineties with Jimmy and the way they did things, the Herschel Walker, maybe he's talking about that. But it's like, since I've covered the team, 2011, like I, I don't look at this as like, Whoa, risky team over here. You just never know what you're going to get. Like, it's pretty by the book down the middle.
3: Yeah. Well, let's, let's transition now into what they're going to do with the ro- with the roster and, and what risk are they going to free agency and things like that. Obviously, free agency is a little different with available free agents, but here's the remaining free agents. Let's start at the top here. Let's start with Dalton Schultz. Well, if you didn't get a deal done last year, you ended up franchise tagging him. You, you could franchise tag him again, but that makes zero sense uh, to me, at least. I don't know, man. Is Dalton Schultz proven that he deserves $15 million in the open market? Because that's what he's probably going to be asking for, 12 to $15 million.
4: Yeah, I'm good with moving on there. Um, I don't think when I say that, I don't see getting that type of production from the tight end. I mean, he's going to be a loss. I mean, there's no question. I mean, I thought he, he played well this season. I thought he played well in the playoffs. Uh, he was clearly all season. Dak's second most reliable receiver between behind CD. He obviously showed you. He trusted. It was CD obviously trusted the most, and Dalton was second, and the drop-off after that was significant. So you're going to be losing uh, a notable player, but you can move the ball in different ways, and that also speaks to why if you tell me they go out and get – I don't even have to get a number one receiver. I'm talking about they get somebody that's like a a pretty proven guy that can be a really good number two – and let's say Michael Gallup gets closer back to what he was before the knee injury. Now that he'll be two years removed, that's a pretty good receiving trio that you'd have there. That I won't need as much in the passing game from my tight end. I can live with maybe my tight ends being more a little bit more of blockers in that. And also I, I think Jake Ferguson can handle that role to a certain extent. I think Peyton I'm Hendershot, too. and I think you draft another guy. And yeah, believe me, you'd rather have Dalton Schultz. But when you have to start cutting things and pieces and stuff like that, whether it's you know Dalton letting him go or or Zeke or something. Some of these, I'll just be honest with you; they're not that difficult of decisions for me.
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Schultz decision is pretty is pretty you know straightforward as well. Just because not not just because of Dalton Schultz, but it's because I, I think I saw enough flashes from Jake Ferguson to say that there's something there. Because a lot of ways it reminds me of Dalton Schultz. To be honest, remember Blake Jarwin was supposed to be the tight end and the guy and everything, and then he got hurt, and Dalton Schultz kind of showed up and had flashes, and then he kind of took off. I don't think Jake Ferguson, you look at what he did last year and you're like, no doubt about it, this is the heir to Dalton Schultz. But I'm saying there's enough there to where you think like there that it could be. And then like you said, John, I, I think, you know, you get another receiver, whatever, but I think even at the tight end position, between Ferguson and Hendershot, you have a you have a couple of lottery tickets that are not like super off chance that they do work out.
3: Well, that takes us to um
5: also,
4: Paul, let me bring my huh? let me bring my Lions right. fandom in here real quick, too. Yeah. Um, I would much rather have TJ Hawkinson than Dalton Schultz. Yeah. And when the Lions traded TJ Hawkinson, I was like, man, I don't know what they're going to do on this offense. Like they just don't have that. They have Amaron St. Brown like, man, they're going to really fall off. Their offense took off, man. They I don't I, I don't know. If, I think they lost maybe one game after that deal got done and it worked out great for Minnesota. And TJ Hawkins is a really good tight end. I'm just telling you that yeah. I, I Dalton Schultz is not Travis Kelsey. Dalton Schultz is not Mark Andrews. Uh, Dalton Schultz is not. Uh, I mean, I guess he could be Goddard. I would put him maybe, maybe in somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, who am I leaving out here? Gasicki, um, Kittle. Yeah, yeah, Kittle. Yeah, yeah I don't kiddle. think he's on like that level where you're just like, man, this whole offense could fall apart without without him. Like, yeah, you'd like to have him back, but you can live with moving on. If it, and and hey, if more power to him if he can get fifteen million a year from somebody else.
3: And it's overarching question of is his knee ever going to be okay, right? I mean, that's something I kind of think about a little bit. He didn't miss a lot of time with that knee, but how many games did he play where he just wasn't close to 100%? Um, Move on to Tony Pollard, obviously a 1,000-yard rushing, back-to-back seasons of 39 catches. I think you have to ask yourself a question. Do you think he's going to recover from the injury? Because that was pretty gruesome. This is an interesting case, and I don't think it's cut and dry. There's – something you should do. If you wanted to spend capital at running back, there were, I believe some comments about bringing Zeke back, uh, and uh, reworking his deal. Um, and I think we probably know how that's going to end up. Honestly. Right. (laughs) I mean, I, I think Zeke's in a Cowboys uniform next year. Um, see, I don't. Okay. I I
4: don't. I I think, I think they end up moving on from, him because I just don't think that the number will be where, uh, both sides want it to be. The other thing that factors in here, too, is what else is there in free agency that could be affordable? And more importantly, what do they think of this running back class in the draft? Do they think that they can get somebody in the second or third round that you could pair with Tony Pollard and be like, no, we can get it done like this? You know, so I think those things factor in. Um, but I mean, I just I think that for, for yeah, yeah, for sure. But I'm just you're talking yeah, Tony Pollard, right? Yeah. That's what you're talking about? Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. I'm just saying I don't know how they could get to a number that Zeke would be comfortable with and they would be comfortable with. I'm not saying it's not going to happen or it's impossible that it could happen. I am just I just think it's unlikely.
3: Predicted franchise tag for this year, and this could change, will be $10 billion for a running back.
4: Right, which is cheaper than what they gave Schultz last year. So
3: Yeah, and cheaper than what you would be giving Tony Pollard per year if you signed him to an extension. I mean, it's going to be... Tony Pollard's got the easiest contract negotiation ever. Here's the guy they paid this much. Here's me. Here's my numbers compared to the guy that they paid this much. I'll, I'll be taking all this money here and they're going to go, well, I we can't pay running backs anymore. We realized five years after the fact that the league doesn't work like that anymore. So, I mean, but a franchise tag, God, that's a, that's a great weapon to have for $10 million. And then you can scoot on. That's how you deal with running backs. Anyways, in my opinion, now I've kind of come around on that is you, Worry about the wear and tear of a running back, man. Go ahead and just get you an extra franchise tag year of him. So, I think we're all, we all love Tony Pollard, what he brings to the team, and think he's important and have been dying for him to get more carries, I think, or, uh, you know, be more involved in the offense. He can be back. I don't think he has to be back on a contract. So, and there's a lot of good things
4: that Zeke brings. You know, everybody on the team talks about how he's one of the you know faces of the team, when of the leaders behind the scene. He obviously is is, a, is an excellent blocker, um, but it just the drop off in his play during the back half of the season. I just don't know how you can pay significant running back money for that anymore.
3: I could see them giving Zeke in that four to six million dollar range, and okay. it, and he would be overpaid. Zeke is a one million dollar running back in this league. Yeah, one million. He should be paid at the bottom of the barrel of running backs, and the metrics show it.
5: Yeah, I so, think I think I think what you'll run into possibly if you bring both back, which I you know I have a tough time seeing that. But I think what you what could end up happening is they view it as like a cumulative sum, right? Like where it's like okay, you're you paying Tony Pollard maybe two three million less than what you would like to give him, um, and then maybe you're paying Zeke two three million more than what you'd like to give him, and you bring them back. But
3: Van der
4: Esch. Yeah, I definitely would want to bring him back. I mean, don't, the, my biggest concern with Lane Vanders is just the injury side of it. You know, I mean that those neck issues, the shoulder, the stinger stuff like that. So, how many, you know, is he would he be cool with taking another one year deal? It, I mean, he played well enough that I think he could possibly get more than that from another team. And if he does, uh, that's gonna that that will make that tough. But if if it's close, um, man, I think you'd be in trouble to to move on from him. I know they they still see. Very positive things. They think very highly of Damone Clark and Jabril Cox and that, but man, that still seems like that's kind of a leap. If you're, if all of a sudden you're just putting them both in there and then drafting a guy or something like, uh, you know, Leighton Van Der is very high on on my list of of people. I think they need to bring back.
3: If I'm Van Der and I just had a year like that and I played for $2 million last year, I'm going to try to get five or six or 7 million on the open market. And I don't think anyone would really be rushing to give him that but it's not crazy to think that van Der Esch has earned himself to be worth four or five million dollars at that hey, position I'll,
4: I'll tell you this one of the things that I think factors into some of these free agents free agency, free agency decisions as long as it's close Obviously if the money's different then you're gonna take you're, the guys are almost always going to go where there's more money but them getting Dan Quinn to come back I think is is real big for for getting some of these guys that you could, might be able to get on an affordable deals because he has shown that he can make. A lot of guys shine. Put guys in positions where they can play their best ball. Um, that might help out on somebody like a Layton Vander Esch, where he's like, "Yeah, I might be able to get a little bit more with this team." But man, what if they don't use me the right way? I've been here when when I you know I didn't feel like I was being used used the right way. Not that he's said that, but I'm saying if he felt that way, I, and I know how it is to be used the right way, like I have been recently. I'd rather just keep building on this. I like living in Dallas. I like this all here. I like that Dan's back. That could be a factor in all of this.
5: Yeah, I think I think bringing Leighton back should be a priority. And and you know I don't know what the money for him is going to be on the open market, but from a Cowboy standpoint, I think having him and really just the bevy of linebackers to me, it's also a Micah Parsons thing too, where you want to make sure that Micah Parsons doesn't have to play linebacker, doesn't have to do. You know, in the strict sense, play that position that way. And I think Leighton allows for a lot of flexibility on how you can use Micah to the best of his ability as well. Um, let's go to uh,
3: Donovan Wilson, 28 years old at this point, has never made more than a million dollars in a year. Um, you know, I, I think the physical nature that he brings to the team, the Dan Quinn safety group, all that stuff matters defining him as a clear starter. You know, I don't know if that really matters at that point with who, the, with the guys they have right now. Donovan Wilson's earned himself the right to go try to get three or $4 million a year. And if he can get that good, if the Cowboys could bring him back at 3 million, I'd be, I'd be thrilled with that. I think that'd be a good number for him. Cause I do think he brings something a little extra to the team that maybe we haven't seen. I mean, the Cowboys came out and they were physical against San Francisco and that's A team a lot of of teams aren't physical against. And the Cowboys matched up with them physically. And Don Wilson's a big part of that. Just laying a few hits. I think we talked about the tackle on Debo where he just stood him up. Man, that thing felt like that thing, things like that matter uh, on defense. So I want him back. I I, I hate when he's in coverage. Uh, You know, you can't have him in coverage. But I would like to have him back.
4: Yeah, absolutely. He's one of their better playmakers on defense, led the team in tackles. Dan Quinn likes him a lot. Um, and I don't think that he's maxed out and played his best ball yet. Uh, and and really, that safety group is one of the strengths of that entire team, really. It's one of the best position groups on the team, which is just crazy to think of because for so long, the safety position was one of, if not the biggest weaknesses. So, yeah, absolutely, you want to have him back. I, I know Dan Quinn absolutely is going to want to have, have him back. Um, but also with that safety group, too, you saw Uh, Israel Mukwamu get more and more playing time towards the end of the season I know they think very highly of him as well so um, you know even if they lose a safety or two they still feel really good about that group and then also let's be honest Dan Quinn deserves a lot of credit for putting these safeties in good positions and getting the right guys and making that position group a strength so I also would feel confident if they do have to go in another direction and add another safety I feel pretty confident in what Dan Quinn would be able to find.
5: Yeah, that to your last point, John. I I wonder if Donovan Wilson almost holds more value to the Cowboys than he does for other teams. And when other teams look at him, kind of view him through that lens as well. Yeah, um, you know, I I think that that and that could potentially drive his market down a little bit on the open market and and help for a reunion. You know, I I think for for if you're looking at him, I, I think it really goes back to Roy Williams. He he reminds me a lot of what Roy Williams was like with the, for the Cowboys and. And I think what you—it's good to have that kind of player who can set that tone as much as you do. Cringe when he is in coverage.
3: I—I I, uh, think I like thinking about things that way too. So you get close to it and you go, okay, well these teams may not care, and teams in the NFL love their own players. We've learned that over the years. Um, that takes us to Anthony Brown. He's thirty. Coming off injury, we do know that they have a weakness at cornerback. I mean, look, I'd be glad to have Anthony Brown back at $1 million, but there's a part of me that says that is a six-round pick that really worked out for you, and you made the most of him. And it's hard to say that Anthony Brown could ever be any better than what he's been so far. So I'm in the boat of letting him walk, but if you know he wants to hang out and likes the situation at $1 million or $2 million, let's – I'm okay with bringing him back at that, but that's that's definitely on uh, our terms only.
4: I Co- uh, completely agree. I think mean, because if you move on from him, I think it's time to develop another young corner on the outside. If it's not Calvin Joseph or Nayshawn Wright or uh, whoever, um, then go out and draft somebody because um, you got to feel good about Trayvon Diggs. You got to feel good about Jaron Bland. And and then Jordan Lewis has got, a well, he's got another year left on his deal. But yeah. yeah, I think you need to try and develop another young guy out there. Somebody that, you know, you throw out in the fire and there's going to be some times during the regular season where they get burned. But hey, by the time, you know, later in the season playoffs come around, you've, you've got some confidence in, in that player. I think that makes makes a ton of sense there. But yeah, I mean, to your point, if Anthony Brown's going to come on some bargain deal, then yeah, obviously you would like to keep him because I don't think he's uh, as bad as some fans think he is.
5: No, no, and no. I think I lump him. I lump him in with Jordan Lewis in a lot of ways. Where you know, if you if you lose one of them, even when you lost one of them in the season, I think you lost Jordan Lewis first, right? And like you, th- you think you still have the other guy. You don't want to lose two guys like that because they're not just decent corners, and and they really are. But um, but they're not just decent corners. But they have flexibility too, whether you're playing in the slot, playing outside, whatever you need. And I think both have that capability. So with Jordan Lewis under contract for another year, they have no problem with letting Anthony Brown walk.
3: This one's got some intrigue here. Cooper Rush, a free agent. Again, never made more than $2 million in a season. So he has earned the right to go ask for 4 or $5 million. I don't know if any team would do that. But boy, when you just hold up the, the bottom line of, I won a bunch of games, guys. I could see him leaving. Um, if someone would give him a little more than the Cowboys, I don't know what the Cowboys would offer him. Do the Cowboys want him to, to be around? I don't, uh, I don't have a good feel on that. Oh, I'm sure they
4: want him to be around, but I also do think he's going to get offered more than they're willing to pay by another team to be their backup. He's not going to get paid by somebody to be their starter, yeah. but to be their backup and give him legitimate backup money that the Cowboys probably will look at it as, uh, We'll go with Greer as our backup and we'll probably draft somebody in like the fifth or sixth round and that'll be our third string like kind of developmental guy. And we'll we'll be able to tell the fans that hey, we're gonna do this every year. We're gonna keep drafting a quarterback and maybe we develop another, you know, maybe we find a another Dak or we find another uh, uh, another Brock Purdy or something like that. Um but when you do that, there's always a good chance you get another Ben DiNucci.
5: Yeah. Do you know yeah. Do you know which team uh, has a a quarterback on his rookie contract and Chase Daniel going out the door?
3: It's the Chargers. Uh, oh God, who, the Chargers. Chargers. Chase. Oh, interesting. Cooper yeah. Rush backing what? up Justin Herbert. <laughs> what if Killing Herbert? More.
4: What if <laughs> Herbert wins the MVP and the Chargers win the Super Bowl next year?
3: <laughs> well, that means they went through Mahomes in the division and the the newly uh, retooled Russell Wilson um, mm-hmm. and. Aaron Rodgers who's going to end up in Vegas. So there's a lot there if that happens.
4: There is a lot there, but it also wouldn't be that crazy to me. I mean, I, no. I that's that's how much I think of Justin Herbert like I just I just I look at that talent on the Chiefs and it's like I don't know, it, it's aging, you know? Like I just
3: Would Cowboys fans crap on him if he was here and had the same results? Who? Justin Herbert.
4: <laughs> Probably not. Cuz
3: that's... Dak is proven to be a better quarterback than Justin Herbert, but no one wants to say that um, eyeball test. Like, hey, Justin Herbert, who would I rather have? Justin Herbert. I'm just saying, over the course of their career, Dak's proven to be a better quarterback than Justin Herbert.
4: Yeah, but I mean, I think with fans, it's the big wow throws that Herbert does so effortlessly that um, I don't know. I can't speak for all fans. I'm just speaking for myself. Like, I'm a, I'm a yeah, big, yeah. I'm a big Matthew Stafford guy. So. Yeah. You know where I stand no, like with Justin Herbert. Ass. I do. I like it, but I like that gunslinger that can make every, every throw that's ever been attempted. That's why if, if it wasn't for his personality, I mean, I'd love Aaron Rodgers.
5: Yeah, no, but I, I think, uh, I think there is something to be said also about just being the Cowboys starting quarterback that does come with a little extra scrutiny. Um, but also th- th- what I was saying though, I, I think Cooper Rush, I, I think this, he ends up being either the Cowboys backup. Um, or the Chargers back up, and I don't. I think that's kind of where he's going to end up. So yeah.
3: Dante Fowler had six sacks. He's twenty nine. I I'm okay with it. I mean, he he's going to what ask for the more than the one point five million dollars you gave him last year? I'd bring him back at one point five. We could do that.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, also a lot depends too. What do they think Sam Williams is going to be? How much do they think they can count on Sam Williams to take a step and. Uh, be more of an impactful player. Um, Drive
3: the speed limit. Th-
4: yeah, or close to it. Um, yeah, I would say that's wild too, man. Because I—that's a street. Luckily, I go. No
3: one was hurt. We man,
4: think. I go down that street four or Dude, five times a week, and to think that anybody would be going nearly a hundred miles an hour on that—I don't care if nobody's out. That's bold. Um,
3: and he hit an old lady.
4: Yeah, that's that whole story She's is in way seventies. Way crazy. And I mean, I'm telling you, when I saw him in the locker room, I don't know if it was the next day or the day after. I mean, he had some serious scrapes and stuff on his face and seeing the pictures of his car and everything like that. man, that's crazy that everybody walked away from that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think Dan Quinn's got a good relationship with Dante Fowler. So because Dan Quinn is going to be back for another year, I think that there's a decent chance. So is Dante Fowler.
3: Okay, Uh, Noah Brown. Look at this rise from Noah Brown. His career: four catches, five catches, fourteen catches, sixteen catches, forty-three catches. Good he, year for Noah Brown.
4: He's going wherever Cooper Rush is going.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he's,
4: he's like Cooper. We're a package deal. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind bringing San him Diego,
3: back San Diego. Well, I wouldn't. LA Chargers.
4: <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't mind bringing him back. Uh, he does a lot of good things, you know. I just think that when you get to a situation where he's got to be your number two receiver or even number three. That might be asking a little too much there. So I don't think that he'll command a ton of money. Um, but then again, I didn't think Cedric Wilson would get the money that he got. So who knows?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to bring him back if it's for the right price, just because he's a, I think he's a, he's a pretty solid number four receiver and also, um, you know, has that little, whatever you want to call it, the blocking receiver tight end type, feel to him and i think that that that's an asset as well.
3: Um Carlos Watkins.
5: Good? We're yeah, cuz that
4: Well, i'd like to bring him back cuz i don't think it'll cost you a lot and i thought he was pretty good in the middle against the run. Okay. So, yeah, Conor, i mean Connor
3: McGovern. Um i kind of okay. What does he get on the open market compared to like you're not going to have to overpay him most likely.
4: You probably won't, he but you know it's a key key factor in all of this that we didn't mention is Mike Solari has been hired as the new offensive line coach who spent time with the Packers for a little bit. Uh, he was with the Cowboys uh, for a brief stint uh, a long time ago <laughs> in the 80s. Uh, so he's been around for a long time, most recently with uh, Seattle. Uh, it depends on what is what does he think of, of McGovern, you know? If he thinks that he's a good player and that, hey, you know, Let's try and bring this guy back. That's one thing. If he's like, hey, let's let's go to the draft and try and develop and find somebody else that maybe fits better as a guard slash, you know, backup center, maybe they do that. But I think that new offensive line hire, that 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 position, they're gonna have a lot of say in what they think, you know, after watching all of Connor McGovern's film.
3: Real quick, you know, Terrence Steele, by the way, is not on this list of unrestricted free agents because he's restricted. So he'll be back and, you know, working into how his injury goes, working back to right tackle. You know, you're assuming that this this is a big conversation that's probably bigger than any Cowboys unrestricted free agent is what they're going to do with Tyron. Because they could rework Tyron's deal. They could ask Tyron to take a pay cut. They could... You know, there, there's some things they can do. Tyron, I don't think Tyron's the type to want to retire yet. I don't get that vibe. Yeah, Stephen um, and Jerry
4: both think he's going to be back. So if he is, then you
3: putting him at left tackle and just go Tyler Smith the left guard.
4: No, you go ahead and. <laughs> no, I would well, say you if you want to come back, then uh, if Terrence Steele isn't ready to go at the beginning of the season, then you're right tackle still.
3: And then when Terrence Steele is here, depends on how you're playing. Yeah. Connor McGovern's pretty good insurance at left guard and if Zach Martin got hurt.
4: Right. No, for sure. But also, don't you draft somebody if that happens then? I mean, yeah. obviously not high, yeah. but at some point you're going to try and develop another guard. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that they have anybody else on the current roster that they would feel comfortable about at that left guard spot. So you're going to have to address it somehow.
3: Question, what if Connor McGovern goes, I want uh, three years at $5 million a year? He's probably moving on. Four million a year. <laughs> <laughs> going once. Going yeah. twice. You get you get him until he's twenty nine, so you get the market again before he's thirty? Three years, twelve million dollars.
4: Yeah, we would eight do million that. guaranteed. Yeah, I would probably I would probably do that. It's weird because I just don't get the sense that both <laughs> I that. Don't. I don't get the sense that all of the offensive line coaches that he's had all feel the same about him. I think some think more highly of him than the others. That's why I keep going back to the Solari thing. Like it depends all on what does he think of him? Cause obviously the Cowboys thought enough of him when they drafted him as a third round pick. And, and I think that, you know, there was some coaching changes and stuff like that. And I don't think he was as valued as much as, Maybe some other yeah. coaches thought of him, so you can do a lot worse that's- than him. But I just, I don't know, man. Like they're just, it's like kind of like the Connor Williams thing. Like you're always kind of like, yeah, look, there's going to be some team out there that toss them some cash, you know.
3: The, the Mike McCarthy, this is not fantasy football comment from years ago. Always stuck with me because, Oof. like, man, that's not how you operated in Green Bay. You guys that- moved around all the time, and that's why the Solari thing. I'll tell you what, you man, that guys that moved around.
4: I'll tell you what, for a long time over these last couple of years, I should say not a long time, last couple of years. That one has always stood out to me, the uh the whole like the karma of saying that, and then how many injuries have happened since then on the offensive line. But it's been overtaken by something. How about Dak pointing out how many how many interceptions bounced off people's hands and stuff like that? And then after that, there were just so many interceptions, they were just There's clearly more. on him, yeah. no doubt about it. And 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 some of the worst interceptions you've ever seen him through, throw, and you're just like, Man, this is just like, is this the football gods? Like being like, that's why you don't say this stuff, you know? Like, I mean, it is crazy. I mean, I'm telling you, those last, the last three interceptions he threw, I challenge you to find three worse than that.
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I still... I, in, the, I, in
3: the whole league.
5: <laughs> yeah, and I still think that of all the interceptions he threw, the worst one was the one that wasn't an interception. Oh, the green lock?
1: Yeah, that was still <laughs> the worst yeah, dude. I can't get over the one where he... Oh, he Threw the pick six right after. Oh, nearly throwing six. the pick
4: six, yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Because the next me, when throw. He,
4: when he was talking about the tip passes and, and bouncing off guys' arms, believe me, man, it was easy to be like, yeah, you know, you had the Hendershot one at Tennessee. You had the overtime one um with Noah Brown against the Jags that, you know, ended up being the pick six. It went, and you're just like, yeah, no, no, we get it, we get it. And he kept saying that. And then all of a sudden it was like, we <laughs> got to a level where you're just like, oh. I don't think you can blame any of these on anybody but you. Like, this is getting bad here. God, it's so it crazy. almost goes back to the old Bill Parcells, you are you are what your record says you are. Because in the end, like, there was a time when, towards the end of the season, where I was kind of like, yeah, Dak's right, you know, the ledger's going to look a lot worse than it probably should. And then when the season ended, factoring in, like we said, there's multiple ones that should have been picked that weren't. You're just kind of like, 17 interceptions in what would have been, 14 games including the playoffs? You're just like, <laughs> no, that's pretty much how he played. He probably should be about 17 <laughs> yeah. interceptions in 14 games.
3: Uh, Jonathan Hankins? Yeah, I absolutely
4: want Jonathan Hankins back. I mean, th- I mean, it kind of goes back to what you said about when you mentioned Carlos Watkins. Can I move on from those guys? Sure. Yeah. You're going to go get me a game wrecker in the middle? No. I, I haven't seen one of this those since won't. I've covered the team. Well, I mean... Ratliff left, like one of the last years I covered, one of the first years yeah. I covered the team. But like they haven't had a real game wrecker in the middle. Are they going to go and get that guy in free agency? Are they going to go trade no. for somebody like that? If that happens, then I'm certainly open to whatever you want to do a defensive tackle outside of that. But they haven't went to go get somebody like that, so if they're going to keep doing going about defensive tackle like this. You absolutely need to bring Hankins back.
3: I'm interested at 26. We'll get to that later on. If they like that Baylor kid, a uh, good defensive tackle. Um, who gets weird comparisons sometimes to Vita Vea that's not completely, you know, accurate, but like, oh, and then it's like a diet Vita Vea, not in terms of like girth, but just like, you know, so that's something that's interesting. Um, Jonathan, Anthony Barr, I'm good. I mean, we it, it Jabril Cox and Damone Clark need to play, and Anthony Barr does a, a lot of different things for you, but, I, you know,
4: I don't know. I, and plus, I'm fine with finding Anthony Barr... Another Anthony Barr, where you found Anthony Barr, and that's basically—it's well yeah. after free agency, it's well after the draft. You're, you're you're in training camp, and you're just like, man, we need another horse. You go, you might even be able to get Anthony Barr at that time next year. You know, I mean, I look at it, and I'm just like, I know that T.Y. Hilton wanted to play. He didn't want to play. I'm sorry. He wanted to watch his kids play football. And so that's why he kind of didn't start out the season on a team. But I mean, like that's the same thing with the T.Y. Hilton thing. It's like, yeah, if you could have had him back in training camp and had him all season, who knows how much better he could have been, you know? So there's still, I mean, this team has shown that they'll add players, you know, as they get closer to free agent. I mean, as they get closer to uh, the season starting and even during the season. So with an Anthony Barr situation, I would be just fine with, you know, I think the key here too is, is you got to bring Leighton Van Esch back, you know? or you got or or yeah. bringing some other veteran linebacker. I just I I'm not going into next season where I'm just like uh you know, my two starting linebackers are going to be Damone Clark and Jabril Cox. I need I need yeah. more than that.
5: Yeah, I think so. Also, the like I think the Anthony Barr like situation could be something like uh also on the day after, you know, cuts and preseason, you kind of see what you had and I don't think linebacker is a very hard position to, you know, you bring someone in the week before the season and it's some sort of tough assignment it's not you're not bringing your starting quarterback the week before the season starts so i think
3: we assume ty hilton and jason peters are probably calling it quits
4: man steven and jerry both said they think that jason's gonna come back i was like okay yeah i I heard that i was like well more power to him i mean me me and jason peters are almost the exact same age he's a week younger than me so the idea that he can still be playing at this age hey I'm 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 one of his biggest fans. I just <laughs> I just can't see how he's gonna hold up. I mean he's that was the, the biggest team I- then. Yeah, well yeah, but I mean that was the biggest issue towards the end of the season because when he was out there, I thought he played pretty well, but it just you don't know at any given time when he's gonna have to come out of the game, you know, because yeah. of and, and and he knew that too. That's why, you know, there were times earlier in the season where we were talking about, you know, when Terrence Steele went down. Remember, it was like, oh, you just plug him in at right tackle and let's go. But it was he was he wasn't hundred percent sure that he could just be the right tackle and, and play every single game and, and, and be good for a whole season. So, I mean, maybe that was Steven and Jerry just blowing smoke, but they both said they think Peters is coming back.
3: We're to the lightning round portion here. Uh, CJ Goodwin, whatever happens. Cool.
4: CJ Goodwin side good. that reminds me of the you know he's gonna be like whatever 32 33 kind of reminds me of Matthew Slater with yeah. uh with the Patriots hey, where yeah. it's like yeah. he has a niche thing and and I think Matthew Matthew Slater's like 36 37 and uh I don't know maybe this is his, this was his last season but I'm thinking he yeah 37 years old still doing that so uh you can't necessarily count that one out of him coming back but yeah
3: uh how about uh, your guy Luke Gifford
4: yeah, I mean, I think that, I don't think it will cost Whatever. them a lot, and I think they would like to have him back for on a cheap deal. But, um, I mean, yeah, as long as it's you know, it's it's not a major investment, which I don't think it would be, then why not bring him back?
3: Jake McQuaid,
4: uh, yeah, someone's got to snap
3: the ball. Let's go yeah. and then Brett Maher.
4: No, I mean, that's like I said, the only guy that they said that they sound like they're moving on from. So just go find your next Garibay and everything's fine. Problem solved. Kick
3: our competition, baby. Let's go. I Man, love John a... tweets from training camp telling us how Blast. many dongs and doinks there were.
4: uh the old, the old training camp dong.
1: <laughs> Save it, Dave.
3: Well, there it is. a very good episode here of about them cowboys, Jerry and Steven talking, of course, with the senior bowl, uh, free agents, galore. We'll see who the Cowboys retain. We'll have episodes, you know, later on as we get a little closer to free agency. Who are some available free agents? Maybe some people they might be interested in. Of course, any other wild news in the world. I hope everyone enjoys the big game on Sunday. Um, I hope you enjoy that. Um, I know for me, I was riveted when oh, I watched the... I was riv- uh, Hey, man. Sorry. Keep going.
1: What's these Pro Bowl riv- games? Let's let's, let's talk about this real quick.
4: Well,
1: what, are, what are your thoughts talking about on what this, this new at the Pro Bowl games?
4: <laughs> yes, Casey, what happened at the Pro Bowl?
5: <laughs> what
3: are, That's what you guys are talking about. What happened yes, at the Pro what Bowl, Bowl this year? Yes. <laughs> what a time. What, what? Tyler Huntley put on a display.
5: <laughs> <The fact laughs> Incredible dodgeball. The fact that Tyler Huntley played in the game is... Or got selected to the game is... Good for
3: him. I love the format, Kent.
1: I, I think it's just so dumb. Like all the players are like, like let's get the League. NHL All Stars together and see who's the best at darts. Like I don't care.
3: <laughs> they should tackle each other then and, and really be have a good physical, good old fashioned NFC versus AFC matchup. The most physical team wins.
5: I mean, hey, what's the most memorable moment of in the Pro Bowl of the last twenty five years? I don't He's know. Sean man. Taylor. It's Sean Taylor hitting Brian Mormon, right? So okay, bring I, that back. Yeah.
3: I mean I lump it in with Robert Edwards ACL tear playing sand volleyball, but that was more of a Super Bowl event. So I think know. the
1: rule should be they play a regular game, but you can't play the position you regularly play. That's Ooh, the rule.
3: Yeah. Dude, yes.
1: Yes. Offensive linemen play quarterback. So you get linemen playing receivers, you get quarterbacks that's playing the last
5: thing that you want to do if you're trying to prevent injuries is all of a sudden have have people that don't know how to line up in a three-point stance start lining up in a three-point stance and trying to shoot off this line of scrimmage. You don't think guys
1: are going to be going all out playing flag football, tearing their quads and stuff? I think one play each
4: half, the coach has to play one position on the field, the head coach.
3: One series.
4: No, they, they won't be able to do that. One play.
1: I mean, coach yeah. has to play quarterback. If they, if they were serious about uh, imagine Any Reed back there, the pass rush coming. Oh, great. <laughs> Andy so Reed good. versus McCarthy. <laughs>
3: but yeah, so no. Well, that was good. I hope y'all jo- enjoyed the Pro Bowl fest- festivities last Sunday, and I hope you enjoyed the big game and Rihanna um,
1: this Sunday. For what do you the guys got game? for opening track? What's the bet? Opening okay, song, so KT. You,
3: for, for closing track, uh, I have "Umbrella." For opening track, I have "We Found Love in a Hopeless Place."
5: Mm, solid picks. I, I I would just double down on that. Yep.
1: You don't think "Umbrella" is gonna, gonna be the opener? No, it's too think old.
5: I think she'll close yeah. with "Umbrella." Uh-huh,
1: That's her biggest uh-huh. song, right? Maybe, but it's the most recognizable. Intro. So Doesn't, she, doesn't gonna, she that bitch better have, have my po- money? P- Pondy <laughs> replay at the beginning or something. Maybe an old old song.
3: I could see her doing that. Maybe just shut up and drive or something. You know, something high uh, like that. Something to, something big energy. Um, yeah. This is what you came for, maybe.
1: Oh, uh, that's a good one. one. There, yeah, that's a good one.
3: Yeah. You know, something like that. You know, she could bring out.
1: Diamonds. Calvin Harris. That's the one I she's going to close with is Diamonds. So I'm That's a good one like too. Diamond, she's got a lot of yeah. good songs.
0: I think
3: Umbrella's
1: Don't Stop the her music.
3: iconic song. Is Umbrella though? To me, she's Why? gonna have I mean, a bunch of you better have my money. out there.
1: They're all gonna have umbrellas.
3: Looking at her streams though, it's really you know, we found love. This is what you came for. Needed me an umbrella. Love on the brain are all kind of even. She rude have a boy. She's got rude
1: boy. She's got work with Drake loyalty of yeah. Kendrick Lamar. She got a bunch. A lot of bangers.
3: Nah, yeah, it's gonna be full banger city. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll get the hell out of here, man. We've done made enough of a mess of this one. We'll see you next time. Uh, for Father John Machoda, for Saad Yusuf, and for our producer Kit Garrison, I'm KT. We'll talk to you sometime the week after the big game. Right? Yeah. That's what yes. we'll do. Um, Everyone uh, be safe out there. We love you. This has been another episode of About Them Cowboys.
2: Did y'all make a mistake in how you handled a receiver position this year? Uh, you, uh, you could say that... Uh, uh... I'm Tashawn Reed
0: from The Athletic, host of Between the Lines a five-episode podcast series encapsulating the Black experience in the NFL. From the players who weigh the risks of being
5: socially active in the wake of Colin Kaepernick, to coaches and executives vying for equal opportunities,
0: and how the league and owners have failed to support and promote diversity. The series includes exclusive interviews from LaDainian Tomlinson, Doug Williams, Jason Wright, and several more players, coaches, and front office executives across the game. Look for Between the Lines starting on February 14th on The Athletic Football Show every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts.